0: Blog Talk Radio
1: We got something to say, y'all. <laughs> Shut sure. up. Uh, Shut up. Not this station right here. We don't just got something to say, y'all. We got the truth. We got the truth. Let's go.
2: Welcome Truth Seekers, you're listening to A Measure of Truth on BlogTalkRadio.com and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on BlogTalkRadio.com or even the BlogTalkRadio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call, the number is 347-326-9470 or if you like, you can tweet me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash A Measure of Truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm I the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail dot com look we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. William's calling to heal families is evidence in his role as a leader facilitator at Adams House, a Prince George's county reentry anger management program, where his influence has positively impacted the lives of thousands of men during the past seven years. His spirit of transparency, complemented by his demand for men to be authentic, connects him with his clients in a unique and transforming way. It's nothing short of amazing how something as seemingly insignificant as a men's necktie could become a game changer in the way a young man views himself. Through this program, he finds that he has more in common with those who are successful and consider this attire the standard than they could ever imagine and are inspired regardless of their past to pursue their true potential. The Tie That Binds, a tie-tying event produced to give young men ages 15 to 18 some of the lessons they didn't receive from their fathers, was a tremendous success and had a powerful impact on both the young men involved as well as the mentors who shared their real-life stories. Each shared turning points in their lives and the realization that the choice is always your own. The workshop, which included powerful speakers, a lunch at Caraba's, and monogrammed shirts and ties gifted to each participant, was graded a 4.8 out of a possible five by Adam Alston, the keynote speaker, who had the greatest impact on the youth as he shared his story of being convicted at 18 to 25 years in prison. Recognized and credited with being an ardent advocate for men, Reggie Williams' personal mission is the restoration of families that he believes occurs with the resurrection of men. Williams proclaims, if you want to heal families, start by encouraging and educating men to boldly occupy their protective position. Reggie Williams, founder and director of Family Is and The Tie That Binds, Welcome back to A Measure of Truth. Randy, you there?
3: Yes, sir. What's up? How are you doing?
0: <laughs>
3: I'm good, man. I, Welcome I, back. I, I'm, I'm sorry I was mesmerized by that smooth voice, man.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, man. Well, look, it's really good to have you back. Uh, this one is a show I've been waiting to do for quite some time, man, because um had an opportunity to actually show up for this event, and I was just so impressed with your work, man, really. And just tell us a little bit about, um what gave you the idea to reach out to young men in this way
3: Man you know if 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 I went to short version I would I would say that my wife and I we had a uh, one Sunday after church we went out to brunch man and we were just having a general conversation and it kind of came up through the conversation uh about maybe five, six years ago, I wrote this article called The Tie That Binds, and basically it was a Father's Day uh, piece that kind of, you know, on Father's Day, you know, it, it's not unusual for fathers to get these ties, and we kind of think, wow, you know, another tie that I'm never going to wear, but when you begin to look at a tie, a tie really represents a father, you know, in a lot of ways, and, you know, we kind of revisited that, that, that article in that brunch, and from that, uh, this idea was birthed but really man it, it really goes back to to my high school days i remember uh i think i might have been a junior at the you know junior maybe a senior in high school and there was this one gentleman who didn't know how to tie a tie and i remember the teacher coming in and showing him how to how, how to tie that tie and um if 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 i look back you know from that starting point there have been things that have happened around the tie that has always impacted me so when we had this conversation in february You know, it was just a thing to do.
2: You know, the surprising thing, though, is, um, you know, the impact that it had. You know, I understood the concept. You told me about it beforehand. But Mm -hmm. to see this group of young men and to see them buy into the process once things got going, uh, it it was quite a transition. And, uh, you know, I, I was really amazed by what occurred right before my eyes. And just tell us a little bit about the young men that you're working with and and the, their backgrounds and um how you came about finding this group to work with.
3: Well, if I before I can go there, I I've got to tell this story, Mike, man. You
0: mm-hmm. know, God
3: has a way of showing you things uh that you you know, just revealing things, revealing that the path that you're on is the correct path. 2 weeks after that event, cuz the event was on June 1st. 2 weeks after the event, it was a Father's Day event and I was doing a Father's Day or a Fatherhood workshop at Howard University and uh, in the Blackburn uh, Center, and they were having graduations. They were having high school graduations. And uh, this young brother from Dunbar High School, he was graduating. He walks in the door, and he's escorted by two elderly women. He has on his cap and his gown, and he has his tie in his hand. And the gentleman, there was a gentleman who was holding the door, and so he saw that this gentleman had on a tie, and he asked him, can you tie my tie for me? And I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, I'm blown over, man, because, uh, uh, you, you know, the tie represents more than just a, a piece of decorative material that you wear on your neck, man, the lessons that you learn behind it. So when I saw that, I just, it was just, for me, it was this confirmation, man, that this whole tie thing and, and what we were trying to do, it, it, it was just so valuable. But to get back to your question, um, each of the kids or each of the each of the young men who were invited to this particular event these they all are juvenile offenders they have some type of of violent offense on their record now I'm not saying that they're violent but I'm just saying they have a violent offense on their record and um each of the gentlemen, none of them have relationships with their fathers, and oftentimes when you find uh, somebody in the juvenile justice system, you'll find that they don't have that relationship with their father they don't have that relationship uh, with a, w- with a man, and so uh, you know, this is the reason why we picked these particular you know these young men. We wanted to show them something different. We wanted to give them uh, a different prism in which to see from. We wanted to expose them to some things that they had never been exposed from. As you know, uh, you stated in the introduction, I put on their shirts their monogram. You know, it's a monogram shirts that, that that we gave them. And I went back and forth between putting their initials on, and I put their entire name, and I preceded their name by saying Mr., you know, Mr. So-and-so, mm-hmm. because I wanted people to realize – I wanted them to realize that they were a Mr., and I wanted – when they wear that shirt, I want people to see that they're Mr. So-and-so. So, you know, I just wanted to give these kids something else, man, because oftentimes, you know, you got to realize that when kids are tra- – not just kids, but when people are traumatized, you know, oftentimes they ca- they carry that trauma all the way and, and throughout their lives. And in this situation, you know, when, when I knew that these kids didn't have a relationship with their fathers, some of the kids in there, you know, their, their, their fathers themselves, man, so I wanted to give them something different.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting what you were saying when you use your example of the young man who was on his way into graduation and had the tie in his hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's so many things that a young man, I would need a father to just show him or a mentor to just show him. And, and you could think about the most complex things to the the most simple, mm-hmm. you know, example, as you just stated, of just having to know how to tie a tie, you know, and how that brings value to a young man as knowing how to do something on his own. It's funny that you, you mentioned that because it, it immediately made me think back to um, – my daughter, before she went to school, I made sure that she knew how to tie her shoes because I knew that if she knew how in school, that that would give her a boost of confidence for all the kids who still did not know how. And, right. I, you know, I took a lot of time in that. And I thought that right. was, you know, a big deal back then. But, you know, I, here we are talking about young men. You know, 15 to 18 years old and just how powerful that is. You know, whatever it is you may not know how to do that you can see someone else do, when you learn how to do it yourself, it's empowering.
3: It is. It is. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. And you got to understand this tie tying process, you know, when you're teaching a young man how to tie a tie, the first thing that happens is, you know, they've allowed you into their intimate space. You know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and so yeah. you know, and so and so that means if you got a kid who's 18 years old who's never tied a tie, it's very possible that he's never had a man who has a loving care, an authentic care for him, be in his mm-hmm. intimate space. You know, and, and, and so and then this man is putting. This ornament around their neck. You know, if you if you think historical for us, anytime somebody's been putting something around our neck. You know, if you talk about 17th century slavery, you had those collars that they put on our necks because they were trying to punish us. You, you go to uh, you go to segregation Of Jim Crow, and they were putting ropes around our neck. But here, when you have a father putting a tie around his neck, it's a right. It's a rite of passage, and, and 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 you're putting on something with pride and honor and dignity, and and so it's you know it's the father. Father giving the son something. But again, when when you don't have that, man, and, and, and you don't have that father in your life to show you that, then how do you have a sense of self when the root of who you are is not in your life?
2: Yeah, and that's what absolutely. we were trying to do, is
3: by having having guys like you know Frank Brown and and B Heat come in, man, and, and, and just and just you know show them and tell them and share with them, man, the values of of not just time the time, man, but 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 seeing some really strong brothers, man. I, I couldn't have done it without
2: those guys. Yeah, yeah. And and tell us a little bit about um, your relationship with um, Frank Brown before we bring him on, and I'll just let you transition him right in. Well,
3: well, I met Frank Brown actually through Brian Brian Hamlin. We call him B Be Heat because the dude is always bringing the fire. You, when, when when he when he Absolutely. when he leaves, you got to shut it down.
1: But uh, but, but
3: Brian Brian, who's an educator, he runs a program at uh, Prince George's Community College called the Diverse Males uh init uh Diver- Ooh, God, Brian, don't kill me, man. I can- uh DMS D M I S. He's going to give it to you when he comes on. I apologize, but 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 what he does is his, his 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 spirit his power his voice gives a, uh, a gives a, a value to the the young African American and Latino guys who are coming through this program and helping them see their purpose and understand their purpose and Frank Brown was one of the original cats uh, in that in that program when it started. So, you know, Frank is a mm. disciple of, of B-Heat. And mm. uh, I, I'm telling you, man, you know, you see Frank and his ability to do the things that he does. I mean, he's he's always had that. But, you know, it's probably his relationship with Brian that he was able to bring it out at the level. So, you know, just my relationship with B-Heat, you know, I, I, I see young guys like that doing the things that they're doing. And it just makes me proud to be able to say
2: that I know Frank and I know B-Heat. All right. Well well Frank, welcome to A Measure of Truth and um You are live. Uh, tell us a little bit about your story and what brought you to Be Heat to to actually become one of his disciples.
4: Well thank you, thank you. I, I must say first of all that you two and your introductions, man, powerful. Powerful introductions. So uh thank you for that. But you know, just, just thinking about what brought me <laughs> what what brought me to B. Heat and Brian Heat uh, at, at the at the college, um, they were looking for somebody to shake things up, and mm. uh, they definitely found the right person, and when he got there, you know, he understood the power of uh, networking and um, surrounding himself with, with people who knew the campus and who knew the students, and so he decided to uh, ask around, and luckily I was one of uh, four or five original guys that he pulled together and... We started to experiment and do some things on campus, and it turned out to be, you know, something powerful. So that's that's how me and Brian Heat connected. But eventually, you know, he started bringing in powerful speakers, and Mr. Williams here is one of them, and he definitely impacted my life. And so, you know, I, I I've I've made it a, a mission to stay connected with him in this way.
2: So tell us about some of the changes you've made, and you know, just tell us where you were before and what you learned through this process, and, and you know, what were the final steps in your life that made uh, a difference.
4: Um, it, you know, every, every kid searches for, for identity, identity, whether we know it or not, you know, every kid searches for purpose or every purpose or every person searches for purpose, whether you know it or not. And, you know, when you don't really have anybody around you who understands what you're going through, you know, because some of us, you know, we, we think differently, you know, we wonder why things work this way and. Everyone in the world is not so anxious to to think the way that, you know, someone like Brian Heat or someone like Mr. Williams would think. And when you find a person like that who, who who will think with you on that level and who will have those conversations with you on that level, you know, it, it really uh, opens your world to some new uh, possibilities, some new progress. And so I was one of those people who I, I was just searching for somebody to, to, you know, challenge me on some of the things that I was thinking and... and um, you know, me and Brian connected and we, we had some conversations. I think the first time we met, we talked for three or four hours.
0: Mm. And uh
4: it, it it grew us as as people because you know, iron sharpens iron. I,
0: mm-hmm. I was
4: challenged by him, he challenged me and, and you know, it, it it just worked out to the way that, you know, now, you know, I've grown to to be an inspiration to other people. He he still remains an inspiration to me and we, we continue to just grow and, and continue in our past.
2: Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I was very impressed by the whole platform. And um, I, I'm just, you know, amazed that you guys are taking time out to, to focus on our youth. And um, to find out that you guys are out there doing what you do was something I definitely had to sort of zero in on and make sure that more people understand that there is a, a movement out there such as this, and um, hopefully we can bring some more support to what you guys are doing. Um, give us just a little synopsis of what you shared with the young men that day, just to you know be brief and to give people an idea of your message.
4: My, my message that day uh, was a piece of something that Mr. Williams had heard at the summer summit that we do uh, where we have about 40 students come in, and we did a piece on the steps to evolution. Um, which i have found to be very important in my life uh learning how to involve you know how to how to make a conscious change to be better instead of waiting on uh the winds to push you wherever they want to go so when i came to the ties that Find, you know we really spoke about um number 1 recognizing your talents cuz what we had what we had in the room was uh, you know some kids that that maybe were labeled wrong kids that had gifts but just may have used them in the wrong way and and so when you, when that happens you know you really uh you know Pull back on what you think you're possible of because your gifts have been labeled as wrong. A lot of them in there, you know, they had they had pure passion for things that that they just had mismanaged. And so we talked about, you know, what does it mean to take those gifts and evolve that into something that you can now use as something to to be positive and progress your life forward. And so we talked about, you know, what do you want to do, and recognizing what you want to do, and then you know, modeling, finding somebody a model or a mentor. You know, model after and and kind of get your form right so that you know your function can come behind and you know you can kind of grow from there. And after that, once you once you get your footing, then you can evolve and you can become that that butterfly out of the cocoon. So it was a it was a good a good little talk to we had with them and they were really you know in tune. And I I really appreciated the opportunity.
2: Yeah, and you know it's something because um when when I think about the message you had, it, it seemed to be something more complex it would be over their head for some of them because some of the things you were talking about were so deep. But they were so in tune to it, man. They were eating it up. And I was really like, wow,
1: okay. (laughs) This this
2: is, you know, I, I just didn't expect that. You know what I mean? So... Just seeing their reaction to the whole process and the transition as they really were, were buying into the process and what they could possibly get out of it, watching them all of a sudden start taking notes and being involved and, you know, paying close attention. No one was, you know, distracted. Everyone was pretty much focused on saying that, yeah, this could this could be something that's going to benefit me. So I'm going to, you know, lock in and see what happens.
4: Definitely. It, it was. And, and I, you know, I, I I was trying to, you know, walk in a very thin line like you were talking about, but I, I think I really kind of, you know, made one of my biggest focuses to use the examples that they knew, you know, and, and try mm-hmm. to relate a lot of things to their language and the way they speak so that when I did bring the points that, you know, some people would have thought may have been a little too far for them, they could still find their footing um, in those points. and. And they did, and, and I stopped, you know, made sure that they, you know, understood, and we, we had conversations here and there. And I had them come up with their own examples pretty soon, and pretty soon, you know, it felt like a comfortable place to be where they, you know, they were kind of in tune and taking notes, and they wanted to, to discuss and hear more. So, you know, it was really an enjoyable uh, atmosphere.
2: Yeah, and, and it was at that point, too, I realized how intelligent some of these young guys are, you know? And, um, yeah, and I just, you know... It's like you you save this jewel. You you reached out and grabbed something that someone else would have overlooked. So you know, Definitely. I just think that's phenomenal. That, and that's um, what they need. now, yeah, I, I, exactly. They want someone to recognize them for who they think they are, as well as be showing their potential. So. Definitely. Yeah. So next up, we're going to bring on Brian Heat, which really changed the atmosphere of the whole. Uh, symposium. You know, he, he came in there and he just pretty much wrecked shop. Brian Heat, welcome to A Measure of Truth.
5: Thank you so much. I appreciate the invite.
2: Yeah, I mean you walked in right away and took control and pretty much established yourself as, you know, the man to listen to. Tell us a little bit about your whole persona and um your 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 bigger than life attitude and how it's, you know, generally um the impact that you have on young people or anyone that you have when you speak, what, what made you go so big?
6: Um, well, to, to be quite honest with you, I, I, I'll take a couple of steps back because um, as Frank talked about, um, everyone has a journey, everyone evolves. And I think at the, at the base of who I am, uh, I, I am the son of an educator. And uh, my mother uh, is a 30-plus-year educator, and I grew up watching her. I grew up watching her change lives. And at a very young age, uh, through some very simple tactics like loving, uh, caring about, taking the extra step, I began to see that. And I saw that not just in in random students, but she also was – the teacher, the guidance counselor, the director of people that were actually in our family, young cousins of mine that were uh, destined to be in the streets and could barely read and could barely speak. But by the time they got done dealing with my mother and coming from under her wing, they had completely changed. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, I don't know if there's a higher calling than having the ability to change someone's life. So from a very young age, I I got a chance to see that, and I've always gravitated towards it. Um, Also, once again, taking that journey, that step forward, I also realized I had some connection with children. From a very young age, even when I was young, it just seemed that other kids would follow what I was doing, not necessarily from a trendy standpoint, but physically follow me, you know, where I'm Mm -hmm. going, they're going. And I began to work with camps and, and recreational centers and coaching and eventually became a teacher. And what I realized was in the classroom, I believe in life you have confirmations the universe begins to speak out to you and tell you that you are following your right path. And I would see other teachers do what they do, but then I would always have students tell me, you know, know, Brian, there's something about you. You're my favorite teacher. Almost to the point, uh, and I share the story often, I remember the first time I really knew I had something. I was teaching a class. I was in my zone. I was in my zone, and and I felt great, and I was just really going into the lesson. And something in my peripheral popped up, and what it was, across the hall, all the way across the hall, you had students itching back in their own desk to hear my teaching lesson across the hallway. And they had their mm. own teacher mm. in their own classroom. But what I started mm. to realize was, Brian, you have something. There's some level of anointing in place that you're speaking to someone's spirit, well beyond their challenges, their their, their poor decisions, their, their trials and tribulations. You're speaking right to them and they're listening. So with all that being said, when I eventually became a speaker, I realized one thing, that we live in a very chaotic place in terms of an information age, the Internet, um, you know, all like 500 cable network channels. And if you really had to cut through as a speaker, and and traditionally we don't have motivational speakers that the young people could recognize outside of a pastor or a coach. So it's kind of a new monster they were looking at. I had to basically take my personality and turn it up to level 10 to cut through so the energy captivated them my conviction captivated them and not only that my wisdom and compassion for them as men would captivate their spirit to hear the message so that would really became the the evolution the creation of uh, this Brian Heat persona
2: wow yeah and and you know your your passion just cuts right through people um, <laughs> you know it doesn't matter what you're saying but of course what you're saying has a great impact but Your passion for what you're trying to say um, draws attention, and it burns in a message. And 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 it's awesome that you have such a powerful message because, again, your ability to speak is phenomenal. So, um, you know, I was very impressed. As a speaker, I mean, I I sat there and watched. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) this guy is is seriously on point, and uh, he has captivated everyone in that room. But I will tell you
6: this, there's a a book that I've read, and I've shared it with Frank and I've shared it with Brother Reggie, um, called Malcolm Gladwell. And one of the principles he talks about in that book, and also Robert Greene, 48 Laws of Power, the Mastery, it talks about the average master. It takes him 10,000 hours or 10 years uh, to, to build his craft. And what's very unique about that number 10, I was a classroom teacher for a minimum of 10 years. So, you know, I didn't, I don't, I didn't go to school for, to be a public speaker. I have not been trained extensively speaking in terms of whether we consider a speaker or orator. But God's journey for me took me through the ultimate boot camp and having to hold the holy attention of elementary, middle, and high school kids for 10 yeah, years
0: straight, yeah. <laughs> speaking,
6: speaking for eight hours a day. It's kind of funny if you read the book, it talks about the Beatles – before they came here they were involved in festivals where they would play every summer for four or five months for 12 hour sets 13 hour sets so when they came to the united states it's no it's no you know, it makes complete sense. They completely dominated and took over the United States because they have been practicing and innovating and learning how to get that, that band chemistry, but no one knows the backstory. So I do appreciate the compliment, man, but it's hard work, and I've been doing this quite some time.
2: Yeah, and you're in demand nationwide to speak, and um... – you know, you've got uh, quite a movement going yourself. And um, later on, we're going to talk, you know, about everyone's um, connections or websites, and give you an opportunity to, um, you know, let people know how they can, you know, hear more from you and find out more about you as well. And um, Reggie, I, I believe it was you. You were getting ready to make a statement.
3: Yeah, I was. I was going to say that. You know, Brian, when he when he has things at the college, and he brings. Seasoned veterans that you know who are who are accustomed to speaking and 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 accustomed to going out and 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 serving large audience, even we sit back and and we kind of like wow okay you know what what is he going to bring so it's you know like I say and it's it's always a pleasure to sit under him but like he said earlier man to see cats like Frank Brown. uh, B just had a, one of his uh, Students go out to uh, San Francisco uh, the, the guys that I see that he Touches man it, it, it just makes me It makes me I'm honored To be able to say that I'm connected to the dude man. <laughs> and one of the
6: things That was powerful uh, just about that Event and, it, and the, the funny thing Is and, and Frank said it and Reggie already said It the, 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 the calling the Mantle of working with people It's not rocket science it truly isn't, and it really is. It, it, it crosses uh, diversity, it crosses socioeconomic status. Really, people, people want you to see the best in them. People want mm-hmm. you to treat them as if they have infinite potential in them, and when Reggie created the event, it was very small and exclusive, and you had every single person, every male that was in that room was looking at, I call them living legends, and the reason why I said this is because I have a piece I do for for teachers, for professional development, where I say, how would you teach your children, your students, if you knew one day they would change the world? Mm. So I call them living legends. Reggie, Frank, I, uh, Adam Alston. We spoke to those young men as if they could be the next president, as if they Mm. could be the next world changer. And when you speak life. When you speak life into someone like that and then back it up with some of Frank's strategies and some of my conviction and some of Reggie's compassion, you have no choice but to transform, even if it you know and Reggie will laugh, and I know Frank will laugh too. These guys on the on the outside are real tough mm-hmm. and they're, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna really try to hold back the transformation But when you come with so much love it's hard It's hard not to let that love seep in, and you begin to feel yourself change, and it feels great to him.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, who was the person who actually um, first connected with Adam?
3: It, that would be me. Adam came into my office. He had been out of prison probably four months at the moment. He had already... Uh, when he had gotten out, he had already um, um, enrolled at Prince George's Community College. And so he came in and uh, we sat down and we probably talked a good 90 minutes. And in that conversation, you know, when he told me that he was going to Prince George Community College, uh, at that time I didn't know what he had gone to prison for. I just knew that he was home and he was just trying to do some things different. And so I said, look, I got a, I got a man over at, at, at PGCC, and I just need for you to go check him out. And so um, I gave him Brian's name, and I think I gave him his number. I don't remember what I gave him his number, but I gave him his information, and we kind of kept talking. And then um, later on in the conversation – he said, "The bald-headed guy with the tattoos." I said, "That's him." Again, talking about Brian, you know, talking about Brian's presence. He's like the bald-headed guy with the tattoos. I said, "Yo, that's the dude you got to go see." And so, you know, Adam uh, later on, Adam would tell me what the story is. You know, at eighteen, Adam is twenty-six now. At eighteen, you know, he. He committed a crime that that, that got him convicted to 25 years in prison, but he was able to get out after six and a half years. And uh, I recall, you know, my my inclination when I was putting the program together was quite naturally to have B. Heat be the headliner. That's what he does. You know, that's his thing, you know. But I said, you know what? I don't want B. Heat to be the headliner this time. I want Adam to be the headliner because of his testimony. Mm -hmm. And so Adam was a little freaked out about following B. Heat. You know, it's kind of like, how, how do you follow Luther Vandross? You know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> and so I said, no. I said, you're going to follow B. Heat, and you're, and, and you're going to be overwhelmingly good. Because while B. brought the conviction that he brought, your testimony of, you know, you're only seven years removed from some of these guys. And your mm-hmm. testimony of spending you know the last six and a half seven years of your life in prison because of a bad decision is going to stick with them even more than be heat stuff and so when we did the evaluation, they loved everybody. But they kept talking about Adam and his story because that's, you know, like I said, all of them are, you know, in the juvenile justice system. So they've all made some decisions that have landed them behind bars for a period of time. And like I think B said when he was speaking, you know, that's not our testimony. That's not Frank's testimony. That's not B. He's testimony. That's not my testimony. But that was Adam's testimony, and they can relate to him because they had all been behind bars, man. So Adam was, um, again, he, he, you know, everybody did a phenomenal job, man. But I, I knew Adam was going to touch them in a way that that nobody else can touch them because none of us have been behind bars.
6: Right, I also right. add that, that, that Adam, right now, currently, uh, Adam's first semester back in college, uh, got a four um, point wow. oh full schedule. So after all the things, and, and it's funny because I don't know what happened. Something happened at, at, during DMSI when he got involved in my program that he caught the bug that he wanted to start speaking. Um, not necessarily just on his testimony of his experiences, but he just felt called to do that. And when I actually I, I selected him to be the keynote speaker at my culminating event. As a matter of fact, he wasn't the keynote speaker. Now think about it. He introduced the keynote speaker. And what's funny is is that we were thinking had a seasoned veteran uh, who speaks professionally, um, but when everything was said and done, the vice president of student affairs and all my guests, all they kept asking is was about Adam Alston. Because mm-hmm. the strength of a testimony that's lived that most people could not live through and make it through, and not only did this young man make it through, but he came out like a phoenix and, and, and grew stronger, scoring a 4.0. Adam is by far one of the most dedicated young men I have in DMSI and at the college and I just can't wait to see what God has in store for him.
0: Yeah,
2: and I had an opportunity to speak with him for a little while as well and uh, he has an intellect that is off the charts. Um he he pretty much used his intellect to get himself out of prison to be able to study the law and to understand exactly what had happened and the reasons why he was serving the time that had been handed him. And um, by acting on his own behalf and being his own attorney, he was able to get himself released from prison, which is a phenomenal story in itself.
6: Yeah, he's a voracious reader. You know, I have a handful of guys. I'm I'm, I'm a, a huge reader, so is Frank. And we're always exchanging book titles. And um, every single time I tell Adam about a book, he's either read it or it's on his list to read. So I tell guys all the time, leaders are readers, if you're not reading a minimum of one to two books a month, you're really falling behind because the U.S. education system was not programmed to take you that direction. So, you know, Adam is one of those guys who already knew that and literally, like you said, used his intellectual prowess to change his life.
2: Um Yeah, and that's just an incredible story just for him to be able to get out. But to to have the kind of momentum he has just coming right out of the penal system is just phenomenal. It really is. And um, he's someone, I guess, who truly understands um, his life now and what his potential is and the things that could potentially take his freedom away from him and his life that he could possibly live.
3: Indeed, indeed.
2: Indeed.
3: Yeah. One of the End things up. I don't know
6: if you guys realize, and I guess I give I give all props to Reggie. Uh, Reggie's focus, and one of the reasons why I have Reggie so involved in DMsi, is because he he may specialize in men, but he is one of few individuals that I know that focus on the whole family. One of Adam's uh, huge, you know, his huge base is his family. You know, at, at the event, mm-hmm. he was surrounded by his mother, his sister. And several other people came just to see him introduce the keynote speaker. And Mm -hmm. and Reggie has expressed it several times over that in order for us to really save black males and and really make an impact, you have to embrace the family. And Uh uh, I applaud Reggie, and that's why I've had Reggie be my keynote speaker at events before and and embraced his dedication to saving families. And uh, the Tyler Bonds event uh, was just another testament to his, his, his commitment to that process.
3: I appreciate that man family is is everything for me man I, I am the product of a of a huge family uh I only have two siblings but but my mother is one of 17 my father is one of 14 all close knit man and you know having the lineage of knowing who my grandfather is. And, you know, these are things that these kids don't have today, man. And and I always say, how do you have self-identity? How do you have self-esteem? You know, how do you have self-respect when self, the root of who you are, has been taken away from you either because – He's chosen not to be there Or whatever the reason So, man, when I, when I look, man My greatest my greatest uh, value Is not my bank account It's not my education, man It's my family And that's, that's the legacy that I want to le- leave, man is To be able to heal families Because oftentimes, you got to understand this If I've got a kid Who's in a juvenile justice system For whatever reason he's in there It's usually because there's some trauma That he's dealt with or hasn't dealt with And then if you look beyond him, his parents have dealt with some trauma. So sometimes when we're helping that kid and he's he's beginning to see the light, but you send him back home to his mother or whoever it is that you send him back home to and they haven't been healed, then what you have is you have a situation where that kid kind of gets reinfected. So when I began to understand that process, I began to understand that I had to begin to deal with the family.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, tell us about some of your other initiatives, uh, your marriage ministry and some of the other things that you're doing well, as well. And um, we're going to bring Brian back on. We're getting some noise on both Frankie and uh, Brian's line. But um, go ahead and do that, and then we'll try to um, let each person speak one at a time and see if that helps.
3: Well, well, well. Uh, you know, again, you say the initiative. What family is, you know, we have uh there's a new initiative I have. Uh, we're gonna start our first workshops called Employment Exploration to Employment and that's for reoffenders or, or excuse me, for returning citizens. So we're gonna talk more about the psychology of earning uh steady employment rather than I'm gonna help you write a good resume or I'm going to you know teach you some interviewing skills. But you know, you talked about the marriage uh the marriage component of it. My my wife is kind of uh, the marriage guru. And uh, Hmm. she started a company called Marriage Nectar, and as her husband, you know, I began to support her efforts, so we began to be called to do, you know, marriage seminars and things of that nature, and so, you know, I'm really big on marriage, and that's really funny because... Anybody knows me, anybody who's seen me in the workshop uh at one point marriage was never on my agenda. That was the furthest thing from my mind. There was no there is no purpose for marriage in my life and so now to see, you know, to see me turn 180 degrees, man, it's it's a wonderful thing at least for me. I uh, <laughs> love my wife to death, man. Love the ministry, you know, and so you know, she handles that part of it, but when she calls me, I'm there. Uh and then we have uh, another initiative that has not started yet but it's called, and I actually came up with this concept in the pool at Prince George's Community College. It's an initiative called I can swim. Mm. And swim stands for I can succeed, I can win, I can expire and I can master. And mm. it came about uh I was taking some swimming lessons. I wanted to improve my, my my swimming and I jumped in the water and I began swimming and uh this instructor says, "You can't beat this water." And I said, "What did you say?" and he says you can't beat the water. In other words, this water is too big for you to beat. He mm-hmm. said and what he was in essence saying is if you learn the rules of this water, then you can you can coincide with it, you know, comfortably. And so mm-hmm. that got me to thinking. And so when you begin to think about our young African American, you know, kids in today's society, man, they they have a they have a kind of a mindset where they're trying to beat a world that they can't beat, but if we can teach mm-hmm. them, you know, how to coincide, you know, by by teaching them good principles and and, and 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 you know, and having a different mindset and seeing things from a different light, man, they 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 too can swim through the society and and not be uh, 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 drowned by it, so to speak. So that initiative will start in two uh, two thousand fourteen, man. So we have marriage nectar, we have I can swim. And then those are components of family is because, again, we're always trying to take care of the entire family.
2: All right. And, um, you know, always, um, whenever you got something new, we'd love to have you on again to promote it, to, to talk about it, and to, to bring support to whatever you do because Reggie. Registered- you're out there, you're doing so many different things. You, you are the hardest working man in social media and out there in the real world making an <laughs> impact on people. And it's just phenomenal, man, to, to see all the things. I Google your name and all this stuff comes up. I even found that article that you were talking about that you wrote some time ago on the Tide of Vines. And I'm oh, okay. like, man,
0: this guy's all over the place. <laughs>
2: so, um, you know, just kudos to you as always, man, because, um, you know, doing things that make a difference in the lives of people are, is the most important thing, just like Brian said. And uh, Frankie, tell us a little bit about what you're doing, how people can connect with you and um, your um, websites and the links for you as well.
4: Definitely, definitely. Um, my new initiative, and this is something that's that's not so new, but it's something that I've had to run back to. I'm, I'm a pure believer that once you find your passion, you know, it won't let you sleep. So I, I, I had this, and I used to do it, and um, I kind of left, and I did some relationship things, but now I'm back and the new initiative is called Coach on Campus. Um I'm a I'm a life coach, I'm a trained life coach. And uh it's it's my initiative to go around to college campuses and high schools and, you know, drop some, some life strategies that can really be used into the hands of these youth so that they can, you know, learn the rules to this world and 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 swim like, like Reddy said. I mean it's so important to have the tools that you need to build that confidence so that you can succeed. So, you know, that's that's my new initiative and you can reach me at www.coachoncampus.com, or you can reach me on Twitter at CoachOnCampus, um, or on Facebook at uh, facebook.com backslash coach on campus. So reach out, and, you know, I'm available.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and you guys have to connect with me as well, and that's the easiest way for my listeners to find you is to go down that list there. So um, we'll, we'll make sure that we are connected as well um, after this show. All right. And um Brian, just tell us a little bit about what you've got going on. I know it's quite a bit.
6: <laughs> well, uh to be honest, it's 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 a lot, but what I what I always tell people that uh you know, it's it's so funny what uh over the top performers or achievers can accomplish within 24 hours. Mm. I think sometimes, you know, when you when your circle is defined by a 40-hour work week and a certain mindset, a busy person like Reggie or yourself or Frank seems to be out of the normal where when you get with above-average performers and above-average achievers a 40-hour work week doesn't even exist to them and the paradigm what they can't do is so much greater than you would know that uh... you begin to kind of expand so i do a lot but it's all in the same direction uh... currently obviously i'm i'm the the, the founder and, and program manager of the dmsi diverse male student initiatives at prince George's community college we're going into our fourth year uh... we probably impacted the lives of about 500 young men uh, last year, we probably had about 22 to 23 of our young men get 3.0s or above. We had 14 to get 4.0s or above. Out of 19 students that were on campus that got selected for uh, who's who of junior college students, uh, over 80% of those came from my program being black males. So we're in a really heavy planning cycle right now, getting ready for probably our best year, our breakout year uh, at the college. So I'm really excited about that. Um, personally, in terms of my speaking, um uh, my agent and I, we are primarily just focusing on totally taking over the college circuit. Um
1: hmm. I,
6: I really been doing the college circuit for about two years. I work with a couple organizations, APCA and NACA, uh and I do a lot of oh, HBCU yeah. work. Mm-hmm. Right. I was in a, probably about seven to eight states uh in the last two months of spring semester, just traveling to different schools throughout the country and um just doing a just a phenomenal job, man. You know, i I envisioned me doing this years ago, that I would be able to speak, and people would pay me large sums of money uh, to travel the country, (laughs) but not for anything that would damage the human spirit, but something that, you know, far too often, you know, when you're doing a you know, it seems like in the black community, you only get paid a lot of money for uh, athletics or entertainment, and I said, what if I can create a platform that I could impact my family financially, but change people's lives permanently?
5: So mm-hmm. it's, it's been
6: a huge, huge opportunity to go ahead and do that. We have some huge plans coming for the fall, just just ripping up the national scene in terms of colleges. Um, I've also joined another opportunity called the Marathon of Excellence, uh, which is a personal development platform um, that is joined also by uh, uh, Les Brown, um, George Frazier, Willie Jolly. Mm-hmm. So I'll be doing mm-hmm. some online programming with that organization um, I have a children's book that's been in the waiting uh, for quite some time. I'll finally be trying to put the final touches to uh, in the fall of 2013.
0: Hold no. on
6: a second. Um, so we're doing a lot, you know, just trying to make things happen. And, and once again, I keep the priority that I really want to grow the program at the college, but at the same time, I just want to continue uh, to, to reach out and, and spread my message of, of self-love, self-belief, and infinite possibilities to audiences across the country.
2: Wow, and you definitely have to come back to us when you're ready to release and promote that children's book. Um, can you can you give us the title now, or is that still under wraps as well?
6: Oh, no, definitely, definitely. And i also give you my, my contact information. Uh, the children's book is called The Young Man Who Forgot He Can Fly, and it's basically a reawakening or a transformational journey of a young man who feels there's a destiny calling out to him, but he, he's somewhat forgotten it. Uh, and surrounded by people who don't chase their dreams, he goes on a journey to reawaken that passion inside of him. It's a children's mm-hmm. book, like I said, a picture book. I have a, an amazing illustrator that actually my girlfriend found uh, on Twitter. Uh, and She's just an extraordinary talent, and the marriage of my words and, and her illustrations are going to add for something phenomenal. Uh, so look for that maybe late fall, early spring of 2014. Uh, but in terms of looking at it and keeping up with me, you can reach me at www dot com. i just launched a brand new um youtube page called heat blast tv uh i'm pretty i'm pretty uh creative when it comes to some of the stuff <laughs> i drop online so yeah, definitely check absolutely. it out yeah it's a fusion of maybe some spoken word and and mm-hmm. just some metaphorical pieces that i do but uh, i've been getting great feedback i'm really excited about what's going on
2: now, have you done any of your spoken word? Because that was the next thing I was going to ask you about. Um, like on SoundCloud, or is there some place where someone can even pick up a download of the spoken word? Because you sort of opened with that, and it was extremely powerful. Set the tone for your message.
6: You know what? That, that's something. You know, I must admit, in the personal development industry and speaking, it's something that I've seen Les Brown do. It's, it's something that I've seen. Um, I've seen different speakers do in terms of just captivating the audience. Uh, currently, the best place to go to hear me would be the YouTube channel, uh, the Heat Blast TV. But like I mm-hmm. said, there's a link at Brianheat.com. So if you go there first, uh, you can see the link, and I'll be dropping a new video every Tuesday. Um, and then I have a whole new run of videos I'll be, I'll be producing in the fall. But I feel, you know, once again, cutting through, you know, I'm very much into branding. I'm very much into marketing and just really taking your time to craft your message. And so many times students get a chance to hear people that just kind of just boringly—if that's even a word—I mean that sounds like Jesse Jackson word. Just go into the <laughs> message and, and and really not even put the emphasis in. Will this captivate? So I kind of use a, sp- a spoken word style to kind of open up my groups. And I'm a child of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? So I grew up right. uh, with the rhythms and the lyrics and all that good stuff. So I make sure I add that into my pieces.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, and uh, one word for you that that kept ringing clear over and over again as you did your presentation was authentic. It was you were you was as real as you can get, <laughs> no holes barred, and you pretty much just unleashed yourself on those young people, and it was just phenomenal. It was a phenomenal I event.
6: I think what tends to happen, and I think um I've I've been told this by students, and I think Reggie and I have talked about it. So is Frank is that so often people in general are fake. Um, People put on airs. uh, People, especially, you know, we as adults kind of forget that we used to be kids. So we get around young people and we put on airs. And we kind of sometimes act like we're not and that we've we've not made mistakes. and, 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 you know, so my thing is when I come to the table, I'm very transparent. Um, I bring a lot of, you know, I've, I've talked through my own personal mistakes, and I've seen Reggie do the same thing. I've seen Frank do the same thing. And when you do that, there's a level of relatability that these young people will have with you that, you know what, I can listen to him because he's been where I've been. And if he hasn't been where I've been, he is so down to earth, he has an empathetic spirit to say, you know what, I haven't been there directly but I feel you sincerely, and I'm going to speak to that place and take you to a higher place. So, you know, I I focus on that because I know the young people respect it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll bring everyone on now, and hopefully we can take care of this noise level. It looks like it's much better now. But Reggie and Frank, um, you know, I really appreciate everyone coming on board, and um, we have to have you all back soon. Uh, Maybe we could do um, another roundtable, and maybe even when we get – Adam on we can um all come back on again and just um regroup and, and talk a little bit more about um what you guys have been doing to continue your work in the field.
3: No doubt. No doubt. I got I got to tell Brian cuz I don't know if I shared this with Brian. Uh I I, I got recently I got booked uh, by the college to do the uh uh the, uh, the convocation for the um for the fall. And so when I, when, I, when I agreed to do the piece, uh, I sat down, because usually whenever somebody books me for something, I, my, my thoughts start to flow at that very moment, and I begin to build a framework for where I'm going to go. Mm. And so I sit down, and I, and I build out this thing, and I build out my framework, and I want to hit this point, I want to hit that point, I want to hit this point, I want to hit that point, and I'm cool. So, as Brian says, he has these he has uh the heat blast that he drops every Tuesday, so he drops one one Tuesday, and I go to listen to it, and I listen to it and then you know how stuff kind of rolls up on the side of the YouTube channel. Well, the thing that rolled up on the side of the YouTube channel was Brian did the convocation for two thousand thirteen, so I said, well, let me look to see what b Heat's talking about." Man, our joints are so similar in terms of the points <laughs> that we want to get across. Really? Like, man, should I be saying this, man? Cause it's gonna look like I'm biting on B heat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my, that's funny. But uh, <laughs> but
3: nah, just yeah. So so definitely, man. Like I said, I, I would love to come back, Mike. Man, you know, bring the crew back, man. Cause you know, hanging around these dudes make me look good.
2: <laughs> All right, and Frankie, um, yeah. Uh, as soon as you've got something else going on too, you guys, your live events, man, you have to um, keep us up to date on that as well. Um, feel free to post anything once you guys are connected to me on my Facebook page, or just email me and let me know, and I can post it as well. And, and let's just keep this thing going.
6: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, man. It's been a great talk, you guys.
0: All
2: yeah, right. yeah. Look forward to next time, and um, yeah. You know, you guys keep doing what you do, man. Really, and, and um, just let me know. I mean, I would love to be more involved. I'd love to show up at some of your events and maybe um, record some of your sessions live as well.
4: That would be much appreciated.
2: All right, we well. appreciate
4: the support, man. We appreciate the support.
2: No, we, we no. Do- can could
3: I can I drop can I can I drop my website, man?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, if anybody's looking for me. Go um, check us out at www.familyislegacy, and that's F A M I L Y I S L E G A C Y dot org. Familyislegacy dot
2: org. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll we'll talk with you soon, and be blessed. And, you know, again, I can't thank you guys enough.
6: All right. Thanks, peace Mike. You. Have a good evening, brother. You too. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye.
5: If they only knew, I see so many lost men looking for something, someone, and some being to believe in. Looking for the reason is a thirst for truth that is sorely missed by any means or vicariously living through the youth. I desire to be the part of the big scheme of things, got us believing things, hoping and tainted wings and falsehoods of the severest magnitude. They say it's all about your attitude, but never allude to the truth. What should we do? we do? Can't lean on man. Overstand that we are relatively new to this man. They say nothing is ever new, just the eyes we see it through. If they only if they only knew, if they only knew, if they only knew. First question is always the hardest. It ain't what I know, not necessarily what I see. And belief is an understatement of a century. It's a belief embracing the heart, summed up in all emotions. Subsided only by the loudest peace. How can peace be loud, you say? Take uncontrolling fear, doubt, sheer panic, and instantly take it away. This is the presence of the one they call Yahweh. The one they say doesn't exist. And explain this Explain Explain a heart no longer divided Since the storm subsided Peace be still He spoke to the waves of violence If they only knew If they only knew If they only knew knew. Lord If they only knew Lord If they only knew It's good to be reborn. I'm just thankful that he saw fit to use me to pass the message along. And I'm asking you to do the same. Thank you. This is real out here, y'all. It's too deep out here. You gotta stay focused, man. You gotta keep your eyes on him. It's the only thing that's gonna see us through. You know what I'm saying? And if they only knew the Lord that I know, if they hit be on their knees right now. For forgiveness, just walk by faith, by faith. And not by sight, by sight. If they only knew, if they only knew, they only knew. If they only knew, if they, only knew. If they, only knew. If they knew. Lord, if they only
2: Well, we come to the end of another show. Thanks for tuning in and special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman. I'm Michael Fordham and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. In case you didn't know, we're running on solar power. Before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily. But know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts.